Hi everyone, Sandman here. Today's video is brought to you by a donation from Rory, and this is what he has to say. I'm a 33-year-old male, and at some point, ideally before I turn 40, I want to have a child conceived through egg donation and surrogacy. And I want to know your opinion on something. A while ago, I discovered a website called anonymousus.org, who was donor-conceived and is currently an activist against assisted reproductive technology, or ART. The website is filled with anonymous personal stories from children who were conceived via egg donation or sperm donation. And most of these children seem to have issues over the matter of which they were conceived. While it's my dream to be a single father, when I read these stories from donor-conceived children, I do experience some second thoughts on the subject. And here's my question for you, Sandman. Are you concerned over issues your future child may experience over the way he was conceived? I know you plan to keep in touch with the egg donor so that your child knows who the mother is, and that is certainly better than keeping it an anonymous relationship. My view on the subject is that assisted reproductive technology exists for socially infertile people. Socially infertile people referring to people who are unlikely to reproduce the regular way, such as gay couples, socially inept single people, or even single people by choice. And I've often heard it argued that a mother and a father is preferable to one parent. And even though it's not necessarily your fault that you're socially infertile, your child shouldn't have to suffer for it by not having a mother. So it is unethical for you to conceive a child using an egg donor. You are violating that child's right to have two parents. An argument I've heard in response is, well, it's not unethical to conceive a child without a mother, because children with two parents statistically do better than children with one parent. Then let's talk about the African American population as an analogy. Statistically, black people don't do as well as white people do. One out of every three black men will probably end up in prison in their lifetime. And black people are also less likely to go to college. Black people have to deal with a lot of racism as well. Clearly, black people face a lot of challenges in life that white people generally don't face. So it would arguably be preferential to be born as a white person instead of a black person. So by that same logic, wouldn't it be unethical for black people to reproduce because they're having children who aren't white and therefore will face more challenges in life? I believe that everyone should be treated equally with regards to reproduction, whether they're socially infertile, black, white, gay, married, single, etc. The resulting child is no worse off by the luck of the draw than any child born to less than optimal circumstances. And I'm interested on your views on this particular subject. Also, how old do you think you'll be when you finally go and get ready to have a child through surrogacy? Well, thanks for your question, Rory. Let me get to the answers now. I'm sure that if you have a child through surrogacy, that child will have issues, and there's no doubt and no way to get around that. But everyone has issues in growing up in a household where my parents were constantly bickering and nagging each other, and using me as a pawn in their sick and twisted power struggles created issues for me as well. But I still believe that a child that I have through surrogacy will raise issues that will actually be smaller than the issues that my parents caused me. And with regards to my child having issues with being fertilized in a test tube, he'll probably accept it as normal if other people around him and kids around him are conceived in a similar manner. Kids want to fit in, and if I reach out to other single dads that have had kids through surrogacy, then it'll basically create a level of normalcy. In the past, I even contemplated telling the kid that I have through surrogacy that their mother had actually died giving birth. But the child would probably want to see pictures. And then there would be the lack of living relatives on her side that you'd have to explain. The best option is to tell that kid the full truth. And lying to him would probably damage your relationship beyond repair. 
And with regards to telling him about his genetic as well as birth mothers, if I chose to do this, there's always the risk that he could go and be with his mother and siblings instead of me. And that's a risk that I'm willing to take. Right now I'm 36 years old and I have the luxury of time, and could basically have a child up until the age of 45, but no later. 45 seems to be the average age when straight single men, using surrogacy, have kids. Having him any later, and I would basically be risking not seeing him grow into adulthood. And I agree with you that everyone should basically have access to reproduction and reproductive technologies. And I want to see people that are differently abled and in wheelchairs that want children to have them as well. An ability to reproduce should be the right in Western nations. We have the money and technology to make it happen. Anyways, later on, Rory sent me another email, and I responded to that email, and he basically had this to say. I definitely agree about the two parents fighting part. That's why I want to have my own kids rather than with a wife or a girlfriend. That way the kids will never know what it's like for their parents to break up. It would be hard to do studies about single fathers as well. And one question is, what counts as a single father family? My parents broke up when I was eight, and my younger sister and I stayed with our father because he was the one who had the money in the house, as well as the income. My parents weren't even married. But he wasn't by himself raising us. His oldest daughter from his first wife, my older half-sister, lived with us half of the week. And she was very much involved in our upbringing, deciding which activities for us to get involved in, and what schools to go to, etc. While my sister and I didn't have a perfect rest of our childhood growing up, we think that because of our sister's involvement in our life, we turned out much better than we would have if it was just our dad. Our older sister was the one who pushed us to do well in school, and my younger sister ended up graduating from Yale. My dad was a much more passive parent, and his other three kids, my older siblings, with his second wife, didn't grow up to achieve much, even though they grew up in two parent families. Also, my dad didn't exactly stay single while he was growing up. After my mom left, we had a live-in nanny for a year, and then another nanny for about five months, and then a third nanny who my dad ended up marrying and then divorcing a year later. Fortunately, it was an easy divorce because she already had her own assets and didn't need any of his. Then we had another type of girlfriend, our nanny, move in, and she ended up just becoming a mooch off our family. My oldest sister is also my dad's business partner, and she did not approve of my dad financially supporting this particular woman and taking her into the house. But my dad had the save-a-hoe mentality, and he always picked bad relationships in his life. And this woman was basically no exception. After my dad got Alzheimer's, my oldest sister finally kicked this woman out of the house. And it's a good thing too, otherwise this woman would have inherited our house and much of my dad's wealth. So now I think I'd like to talk more about your vision to be a single father. What does that look like? Have you completely abandoned women altogether? Or do you continue to have some women casually, but not get too involved with them? Does being a single father actually help you to score more? And if you have a series of women coming in and out of your life, how does that affect your son and your future relationships with women? Would you love it if he grew up as a MGTOW alpha male, able to bed lots of women? As your son grows up, do you actually live vicariously through him? Do you use a concerted cultivation style of parenting where you manage what types of activities your son participates in? Example, music lessons, swimming lessons, martial arts, gymnastics, etc. Or do you use slow parenting style where you don't manage your son and what he does? With no romantic partner, is there any possibility that you may become emotionally dependent on your son? Doesn't this set up for a manipulation from your son? You think women are grand manipulators of men, however kids are grand manipulators of parents. If you expect to be disappointed with any woman that you get together with, why do you think you won't be disappointed with your son? 
And by the way, when thinking about a nanny, you should consider hiring two or three different nannies to work part-time throughout the week. This way your son doesn't get too particularly attached. Also, perhaps one nanny could speak French, another could speak Spanish, and another one could speak Japanese. And your son could grow up to be multilingual. Well, thanks again for yet another set of questions, Rory. And I can elaborate on some of them, but probably not all of them, as I don't have enough time. So what counts as a single father household? Any household where the father isn't romantically involved with a nanny or a stepmom. And a man on his own is how I define it. And I agree with you that your upbringing is probably a lot better because of your half-sister. Look at the behavior of young girls. They want to take care of children. They even have their own baby kid toys, strollers, and are basically dressing dolls all the time. In the past, when there were large families of up to 5 to 10 children, the older daughters would basically be taking care of the younger siblings. And in fact, the only woman that I would classify as a Nawalt that I personally know took care of her younger brother as well as her father at the same time. And in the past, I believe that women didn't have the opportunity to develop the level of narcissism that spoiled daddy's girls do today. So it would make a lot of sense for me to have a daughter through surrogacy first, and then have a son about four or five years later. That way she would actually have something to do, i.e. take care of the son. Through that type of setup, she would gain value as a female by taking care of her brother. You've got me thinking about this whole surrogacy situation completely differently. Raising a girl to basically be an intentional Nawalt first, and then introducing a son into the mix, creates a purpose for her, and she could possibly turn out to be like my Nawalt friend, with her relationship with her brother, father, and boyfriend being stellar. She has good relationships with all three of these men in her life, but at the same time, I believe that she's too good for them. So maybe that's not the way to go after all. Who knows? Rory, I'm also sorry to hear that your father wasn't very active with you when you were growing up, and shuffled off his responsibilities to your older sister. I would basically want to grow my own business to the point where I could reduce my responsibilities and spend more time with my children. But as you know, finding competent people to help you run your business can often be difficult. And with regards to raising a kid, I would prefer not to have my kid sent off to different activities and be bombarded in such ways. I want him to know what it feels like to be bored. Remember when you were a kid in the 80s, and you were actually bored? With technology and computers these days, kids don't seem to get bored as much anymore. And no, I wouldn't become too emotionally dependent on my son or daughter if I chose to have them. I have learned to no longer be codependent on other people, and I've learned to stand on my own two metaphorical emotional feet. And I don't look to the approval and love of others to fulfill any possible emptiness in my life. I'm beyond that now. Teaching my son multiple languages would also be a kind of pointless maneuver. Within 10 to 20 years, we'll probably have some sort of babblefish universal translators. So the effort is probably better spent on other skills and experiences. I would really like to travel around the world with my son and give him a worldly education. But I worry that that'll basically spoil him down the road. And the only way I would be disappointed with my son is if he was apathetic and didn't seem to care about anything. As long as he finds something he's passionate about to do in his life, then I'd support him no matter what. Anyways, Rory also had a few last comments and questions, and here they are. Maybe you should make a documentary someday about MGTOWs who opt for single fatherhood via adoption or surrogacy. You could start a whole revolution of single fathers. The only thing I'm worried about are conservatives and feminists who are trying to make surrogacy illegal. Well, Rory, I completely agree with you that feminists could, in fact, try and stop single fathers from having kids through surrogacy. Feminists, after all, want to make sure that their female hegemony in the social affairs of society remains intact. 
But gestational surrogacy first has to become socially acceptable among men before women take notice and then try to take it down. Anyways, thanks for your donation, Rory. I hope I've answered some of your questions. As for everyone else listening out there, thanks for taking your daily dose of red pills. So enjoy the rest of your day, and cheers.